Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Great to be here today. Uh, We've been in a series called Rhythms. I started this at the beginning of the year. And I tagged it on here at the end of the year just for the last few weeks because I really wanted to make sure we started well in the same way, we finished well the same way we started. And when I started this series called Rhythms, I was talking about how important it is for us to build rhythms into our life because our life is built off rhythms, not just spiritually, but all the rhythms that we establish and put into place to see our life become the thing that God intended. And for some of us, that comes easier than, than others. Some of you are, are, it's very easy for you to establish a rhythm in your life. Uh, You have a set time to get up. Others, you got to hit the snooze nine times before you get up, but that's okay. But either way, life is built on rhythms. And I've been talking about how uh, in each message, a word with the same letter at the beginning. So prayer and passion and blessing and burden are just different ones. And today I want to talk about grace and goodness. And I wanted to finish off today because we're singing a song like that. Your grace holds me now. And I didn't know they were going to have that song on the set, but it's such a clear picture of what I'm talking about today. That grace and goodness hold our lives. That God does such a big work in our life. And if we're not careful, we can get away from that and just get into our own zone and forget that really it's grace that's holding us. Now, you may not think that today, uh, but there's a funeral this week for a childhood friend who I went to school with every day, uh, died of a brain tumor. Leaves behind two little girls. Bam. Uh, There's uh, a guy who goes to our church. His name is Jeremy. Incredible guy. Had a liver transplant. Uh, Whenever he gets a cold or something of that nature, it's high alert for him. Because for us, we just take Dayquil, hydrate, and get on with our business. Him, he's got to watch everything that he's doing because this could mean four or five days in the hospital. This could mean his whole immune system crashing. So when I say things like that, it gets our attention for us to realize, actually, life is a lot better than I think it is. Grace and goodness are holding me. And so there's a, a saying that you've probably heard. Maybe you grew up hearing this. It says, work as if everything depends on you and pray as if everything depends on God. And so I've always kind of adapted to that philosophy in life because for me, working hard is not a big deal. I love to work hard. I don't mind working hard. Uh, I like hardworking people around me, focused people, people who can find in themselves a sense of vision and going for it and building their life. But the other part where it says praise if it all depends on God, I think that, if I'm being honest, is the place where it's been the most challenging as I've grown up in the faith. Because I naturally fall back into the place where I'm expecting God to do something, and if it isn't happening at the pace, in the time, in the season, to the degree with which I want it to, then I begin to let my mood dictate the season rather than God's promises dictate my life. So part of that is good because Jesus says, knock and the door will be opened into you. So when we knock and God comes through, a lot of times we think, well, okay, that's how God's going to do it the next time. I needed a job, I knocked, God made a way. 
We didn't know how we were going to pay that bill. God made a way. I didn't know how this was going to happen, but God made a way. And so we get accustomed to so many promises of God being fulfilled or so many things in our life being fulfilled by God so that when we knock and if he doesn't answer as quick as we thought he would, if he doesn't finish the house in time the way we thought he would finish the house, if he doesn't do the things that we thought he would do, we can almost start to say, well, I don't even know if I'm going to keep knocking. But God tells us to keep knocking and to keep seeking. And scripture says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you've ever been, maybe not in a hopeless place, but a place where your hope is slipping, you'll find that it starts to affect your heart. It starts to affect your head. In fact, it starts to affect the way you view life, the way you view everything, your marriage, your, your kids. And I was sitting here looking at and my daughter singing on stage a minute ago, and I was just thanking God in the middle of the worship set, just thanking God for that. Because that's not a guarantee. We don't make her do that. I can't even get her to, well, I better be careful. She might be in here. I can't get her to clean her room, man. But like, you know what I mean? Like, there are small things like this that you see happening that God does on your behalf for his glory that show his grace and show his goodness. The scripture says, you know, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, and when our head and our heart get sick, man, it's hard to see. It's hard to see. It's like a hot box. Or a vape room. <laughs> People were like, should we laugh? You know, you see, they know what they're going to think. It's hard to see in a hot box. <laughs> Y'all can tweet that one out. Pastor says, it's hard to see in a hot box kind of church you go to, man. (laughs) But when it's hard to see, you tend to make decisions differently than you would if your head and your heart see clear. And when your head and your heart see clear, as a Christian, it's usually because you see the grace and the goodness of God clearly. You really see you're not entitled to anything. You see that everything is God's blessing. Life is God's blessing. The goodness of God is available. And I'm just saying, as as a church, this is part of our responsibility to be a healthy church, to be the people of God, as we have to learn to walk within the rhythms of grace and the rhythms of goodness that God is trying to establish in our life. 1 Thessalonians, Paul said this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for, in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul is a man who had been imprisoned and beaten and abused and talked badly about, and all these terrible things just for taking the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ out into cities. He faced persecution. And here he is saying that we should rejoice that we should pray without ceasing, that we should give thanks, not just at Thanksgiving. We should give thanks in all circumstances. And what we have to learn to do is not wait until life is complete chaos to figure out how to rejoice in something good. And at the same time, we can't wait for life to be perfect before we decide to start rejoicing because life may never be perfect. And life may be so chaotic at some point that we're trying to start something that we've never had any practice in. 
You know, when my, my daughter, sometimes I'll just look at her. She's two years old now, a little bit over two years old. She was born, when she was born, she was in the NICU and she was two pounds, two pounds. I could literally fit her in my hand. My wife, for those of you who are new, long story is my, my wife was really sick, was, was dying in one hospital, and my baby was in the NICU in another hospital. And I used to sit there, and I couldn't touch my baby because she's two pounds. She's got tubes and needles. She's all bruised on, on her hands and her, her feet from the needles they keep sticking in her tiny hands that are this big. They got tubes down her throat. They got her eyes covered. They got, you know, her head covered. They've got things on her ears. They got monitors and these sticky things all over the place. There's machines everywhere. They got tubes down her, her throat, one on her nose. And it was just, it was a helpless feeling. And it was hard to see the goodness of God in that moment. And I had to practice not, not every day, not every hour, every minute at some times, rejoicing in the grace and the goodness of God while my family is torn in different directions. I used to see my little daughter sitting there with her, her chest about as big as the top of this microphone. And I used to see her lungs expanding, just, just taking these deep breaths, just trying to learn how to breathe. And I can't touch her, I can't hold her, I can't do anything yet because for the first couple of weeks, you're not allowed to touch them because, you know, any stimulation to them could cause a brain bleed. Brain bleed could cause all kinds of, you know, developmental issues in the child. Uh, their heart rate spikes, they have trouble catching their breath, they won't eat. Like everything, you literally just have to wait and do nothing. And let the body heal and let the body work. And work as if it all depends on you, and pray as if it all depends on God. When was the last time you did that for your life? Where you were in the helpless situation or the hopeless situation, but you have to work like it's all dependent on you and pray like it's all dependent on God. It's in those moments that we learn the grace and the goodness of God. And that's something that we can rejoice about. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said this, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. See, God is asking you in this season to learn how to walk with him and to learn how to work with him and to watch how he does it. But sometimes I think that even though we're adults, we're kind of like kids where we're working so hard that we just want to show God what we've done. <laughs> we want to work really hard and show him how, how we overcame and how we got over that heartbreak and how we got over that mistake. And it's like we keep running up to daddy and just showing him, hey, God, look what I did. Hey, look how much I've gone through and look how far I've gone and look how much I pushed through. And all the while God's saying, hang on, there are rhythms I want to teach you that are unforced where you're not trying to prove anything to anybody, where you don't feel the pressure is all on you, but understand that God is working in and through your situation to show you himself. See, I think deep and spiritual people, it's not about how much knowledge they have. I think deep and spiritual people are people who know how to flow with the rhythms and the times and the seasons. Like Greg Popovich. God's favorite coach. 
for his favorite team. They finally won a game yesterday, so we're good. I can say that. He doesn't get stressed out when the pressure's on. He gets stressed out every time in between. He screams and cusses at everybody else. But most of the time, when the pressure's really on, he's not stressed. The general is calm, and he's commanding the troops. I think a lot of ways we need to allow God when the situations are pressing us and pressing us and pressing us, we need to learn to let God, the general, take control of the situation and teach us what it's like to walk within the rhythms of grace. You ever seen video of, oh, maybe it's on, on your social media or whatever, you see a video of Olympic runners and there's a particular runner who will be last in line and he's, he's not making it, he's not finishing, and then you see him fall down and he hits the ground and he's laying on the track and he can't pick up, get back up and he's got cramps or whatever's going on, he just can't finish. And you see another runner come by and they pick him up and you've seen this, right, where they, they put their arm around him, and then they just start carrying him. And then little by little, they start just getting a rhythm. And before you know it, they finish the race. And you know we finish that video because we want to make sure they get through all the way. Some of you are sadistic and like, I wonder if they're both going to fall down. No. <laughs> we watch until they finish. So when you see this, a lot of times we can, we can see that and we feel good and we're like, man, thank God for a friend like that. Thank God for a human being like that. This guy's on national television, and this guy didn't let him, him crash and burn in front of everybody. He picked him up, messed up his own race to, to pick somebody up and help them finish. And we celebrate that. And we're cool with celebrating that for someone else. But how come we're not so cool with when we fall down, God picking us up and saying, walk with me, work with me. I'm going to show you the rhythms of goodness and grace. It's easy for us to, to let somebody else help somebody else and for us to help somebody else. But there are times in your life where you're going to have to let God help you. Because there, there are times where you, you can say as, as much as you want, I'm strong enough, I've been through worse, I'll get through this. And every person has their limitations. Every, every person reaches breaking point. And what I'm trying to say is that we don't have to wait till breaking point to learn how to rejoice and learn the rhythms of God's grace and the rhythms of God's goodness. You know, you look at your life and when you look at your life in the past where you've fallen down, you didn't know how you were actually going to get back up and start running again. That was God's grace and goodness that covered you. It wasn't just your strength. It wasn't just your willpower. It was the goodness and the grace of God. We have to be a church that knows how to rejoice in that. We have to be a church that knows how to not just get picked up by God, but be the church. Oh, there you are, Jeremy. I was talking about you in all three services. There's Jeremy. Let's give Jeremy a hand. The miracle working, living every day strong. See, you were sleeping in bed, and then somebody texted you and said he's talking about you, and then you came to the late service. That's what happened, right? I'm just teasing you, man. All right, let me get this back on track. I think the greatest battle is not what we are going through. The greatest battle we face is what we think about what we're going through. God had me in seasons where his grace and goodness were covering me. But the battle was in my mind about what I was thinking. Not just about life, but about God in that situation. Wondering if he was with me. So grace and goodness. John chapter 1 says... For the law was given through Moses, but grace 
and truth came through Jesus. The law was given through Moses. That's the old covenant. But grace and truth, the new covenant we have in Jesus Christ, that came through Jesus. Grace came through Jesus. Grace came for you. Grace chose you. Grace is still choosing you. Grace will keep choosing you. That's the goodness of God. That's how grace works. Grace chose you when you wouldn't choose yourself. In moments you never would have chosen yourself, God chose you anyway. In moments you never would have loved yourself, God loved you anyway. In moments of your greatest mistakes, God was there to pick you up. God was never abandoning you. That's the grace of God. Grace came through Jesus. It didn't just happen. It came through Jesus Christ. And it keeps coming. It didn't just come through our salvation. It comes through our transformation. And that's the bigger facet and the bigger, the broader view of who God is and what grace actually is. And because grace came through for you, that means forgiveness can still come for you. That means hope can still come for you. That means change can still come for you. That means the greatest places in your life where you wish for change or hope for change or need change are the places God can pour his grace out in that situation. You know, it's cool seeing every different service. I see different people, different family members and, you know, friends and just people that I've I've gotten to know over the years. A lot of people I don't know because our our church keeps growing by the grace of God. But there's some stories I I look and I'm, I was sitting there and I was looking at Tony and Rob earlier thinking when they first came in and they were kids and, and just looking at all God has done in your life. Just looking at where you guys were. You know, look what God's done. Look where you could have been. Look where you were and look where you could have been. And look how easy it would have been to quit along the journey. To just quit. But grace held them. And because grace held them, they experienced goodness. God's God's goodness came after them. And God's goodness solidified you guys and locked you guys together. And that covenant is strong, not just between you two, but between you guys and God. And God's not just doing that for Tony and Rob. God wants to do that for you. He wants to strengthen your understanding of the rhythm of grace that he's poured out on your life. And then he wants to show you more of his goodness. See, goodness is something that we don't talk about that much when it comes to God. I want to read you this verse and you'll see why. Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is talking about the Holy Spirit's work in us. The fruit that he produces in our life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You know, when people say, man, how can that guy be a Christian? He's this or he's that. That's because they're not seeing these things that he's talking about. (laughs) They're not seeing love from someone or joy from someone or peace from someone or patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness. This is the work of the Holy Spirit that is supposed to come from our lives. Remember that in Texas traffic. Amen? So... But I think we talk about all these. I've heard a lot about them in church. I've heard a lot about love. I've heard a lot about joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness. But I haven't heard a lot about goodness. I wonder why. Because goodness is something that we need to hear about. Goodness is an attribute of God that he's making us into. If this is who God is and God's making us more like him, then we need to know what his goodness is like. And here's what this, this word in the Greek, when you translate it, what it actually means is it, it means 
pretty much the same in all situations, right? You guys have friends that are always there for you. They're the same in every situation. Could be two in the morning. You call them, somehow, some way, they're there. They may send you to voicemail three times, but eventually they'll answer. The same in every situation. It's saying that's what God is. God is the same yesterday. God is the same today. God is the same forevermore. God's nature is goodness. He's good to you and you're not even good to yourself. See, some of you, you might be really good to yourself now, but what about when you used to not be good to yourself? When you used to wallow in things instead of climbing out of things? When you used to judge yourself so harshly? You'd never judge anybody as harsh as you judge yourself. You'd never condemn anybody. You'd tell somebody, come on, get up, man, I've got you. But you'll sentence and judge yourself to hopelessness and worthlessness. Because we're always hard on ourselves. See, God wants us to have an accurate picture of his goodness. So we can have an accurate picture of our lives. He died for us. That means his grace and goodness were poured out on our life. Which means there's worth and value to our lives. See, I know this is hard for some of us to understand this morning, but God is not just trying to fix your life. He's trying to show himself through your life. And sometimes showing himself through your life means part of your life not being what you wish it was so that people can sit across the table from you at coffee or lunch or dinner and say, how? And you can say, because God is good. So you can say, because Romans 8.28 says that God is working all things together for my good. God is working behind the scenes. God is working in my situation. God is working to make a way. Come on, Waymaker. It's not just a song we sing. It's who he is. That's why we say that is who you are, because we're declaring from our own mouth the grace and the goodness of God. God is working for your good. David said this in Psalm 27, I would, have, I would not have made it if it had not been for seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living. I understand that verse. Because I know there are some seasons and some stretches that have been so tough and so difficult that and, until you get a break, whoo, you don't know how hard it was. Or you finally take that deep breath in. And you experience the goodness of God. This morning, I stepped on the scale. I didn't like what it saw. I stepped off. I stepped back on it. It was three pounds lighter. How many of you know that's the goodness of God? <laughs> I'm serious, man. I was like, Lord, you already given me a, a, a point to, to prove this message. He dropped three pounds off me just like that. I wish he'd have dropped 10 off me. But hey, it's a start. But the goodness of God is available to all of us. The grace of God is available to all of us. And here's what I want to say. So I want to wrap this up here. When you experience these rhythms of God's grace and you learn to flow with God in these times and you experience his goodness, what do you do with that? Here's what you do with it. You share that life with someone else. You sit across the table from someone else. See, in in scripture, we don't we don't read that we grow spiritually because we go sit on top of a mountaintop and isolate ourselves from people. We don't even read that we get better or more spiritual on our own. We read consistently 
that Christ calls us his body, that we're connected to each other, and then all the verses that we usually read about pray for one another, love one another, encourage one another, you know, uh, help one another. All of these one another verses have to have another in our life for them to work. And so if we're so used to just pushing away any help that comes, when someone comes and tries to lift us up off the track and help us finish, and we're just used to pushing that away and saying, no, no, I've got this, I've got this, what we're actually doing is living in pride. And we're saying, I'm, I'm better than even God and what he says about how my life can grow. Come on, you'll know what that's like. You, you get a cold and you start going on WebMD and you're like, yep, it's a disease. I knew it. I, it's got to be. You start, you start locking down your own situation as far as what you think it is or your, or your own health. And they're like, oh, no, it's just a cold. You're like, are, are you sure? Can you double check? Can you run two more tests on that? It's like, dude, take your DayQuil, drink some water, and go home. When you share what's going on in your life, across the table from someone who's right there with you. The answers that come from your mouth are their healing. It's their deliverance. It's their clarity. It's their freedom. And that's part of you, not just being the one who needs to be lifted up on the track, but that's part of you being the one who lifts someone else up. And not getting so consumed with why you fell down and why you're down and pushing people away and saying, get away from me. I don't need any help. I'm going through this. I got my own mess to go through. But you're allowing God to lift you and you're choosing to help lift other people. That is the picture God wants to show us about what grace and goodness looks like. So here's my prayer today. I'll close with this. I'm praying that as you walk out of here today, you'll learn in this season how to receive and understand and grab hold of the grace of God for your life. That, we, that you'll reflect on it. Come on, not just have church, not just high five somebody and get some lunch, but you'll leave here and start thinking about, look what God has blessed me with. Look what God has done in my life. Look what he saved me from. And then start believing about the goodness of God. And start recognizing that his goodness is coming for you. Come on, I know there are seasons where it's hard to see out the window and hard to see his goodness. And this is why you need other people. This is why church is a family. It's community. It's the body. It's not just a unique spiritual experience. As much as we'd like to think it that way, God never designed it that way. His design is us being a part of something that's bigger than just our own issues and our own challenges. See, one day, your child won't be in the hospital. Tomorrow, it might be somebody else's child. One day, it might be you losing a job. Next time, it might be someone across from you. If we share these experiences with each other like God asks us to, it helps us all. It helps build the kingdom of God, not just our own kingdom. Amen? Come on, let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you for the grace and the goodness that was poured out on my life. We thank you for the grace and the goodness that came our way, forgiveness that came our way, hope that came our way. Lord, grace came for us when we wouldn't. 
have chosen ourselves. You chose us. God, and you made that grace available, not because of the life that we were living, because of the sinless life that you live. Lord, you made a way through your death, through your resurrection. And you gave us hope beyond any moment that your salvation and your transformation is at work in our life. So today, wherever people are, whatever they're walking through, God, would your grace meet them right where they're at? Would they learn how to walk with you and work with you and watch how you do it to learn the unforced rhythms of grace in their life? Everyone keeping their head bowed and their eyes closed for a second. If you need to see the grace of God working in your life in this season in a particular area of your life, doesn't matter what it is. And don't shut yourself down at this point. Say, yeah, but my problems aren't as big as someone else's. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this is a moment where you're on the track and you need God to lift you up. And you need God to strengthen you. You need his grace in this moment. If that's you this morning, would you just lift your hands? Want to see who I'm praying for? Come on, you may need it in your financial situation. You may need it in your marriage. You may need it for your kids, for your grandkids, for your career. You may need it to keep your mind straight in the season of ups and downs that you've been walking through. Fantastic. If you lift it up, you can, you can put it down. Father, thank you for every hand here this morning. Father, would you grace pour out on the life of every person here today, God? God, so many times as you've met me with your strength, your supernatural strength, God, would you meet them in the same way and even exceed God to lift them up, to encourage them, to bring them to a mindset of victory in this season, Lord. God, would you pour goodness out upon your people and would people see the goodness in who you are and what you've done, what you'll continue to do, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.